Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, for 25 years partnering with donors and nonprofits and communities statewide to strengthen Maine through grants and scholarships. On the web at maincf.org. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. And this morning we've got uh, voices from two main communities, both of them on islands, and uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, both adults and young people from those islands um, talking about uh, the ways in which they're linking to their communities. Um, first, um, we've got um, folks from the island of Islesboro um, in Penobscot Bay, and we're happy to have folks there, uh, all part of a horticulture program, and uh, they've got a particular uh, emphasis on on orchards. And here on the table, we've got some apples. So I'm sure we're going to hear about apples in, in just a minute. Uh, but uh, their instructor is John Pinsens. Uh, John, welcome to Talk of the Towns. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. And uh, you brought with us um, some students um, who are part of the horticulture program. How did horticulture come to get started on Islesboro? Right. Well, it started about 12 or 13 years ago when some island residents uh, realized that because there are so many estates uh, on Islesboro, lots of landscaping kinds of jobs that were available, and also because uh, where uh, Islesboro School has to pay a certain amount of money to the regional vocational school based on how many high school students there are, thought that, uh, well, why not have a vocational program right here on Islesboro uh, where kids could learn about horticulture, about landscape design, landscape gardening, those kinds of things. And so um, meetings were were held and uh, grants were written and uh, sure enough after a little while we ended up with a couple of greenhouses there on Islesboro and uh, it started from there. Mm. Let's find out from some of the students how they um, got involved. We've got um, Olin Jenner, Jason Hatch, Blaze Jenner, Max Mahan and Jared Gerard Scher. Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah. Great. Thanks to all of you guys for coming over. And I understand you had to get up pretty early to get on the, on the ferry to get over here. So um, who, who would like to start? Um, just how did, you, how did you get interested in the, in the horticulture courses? Anybody? Jason, how about you? How did you get interested in horticulture? What was your first idea that you might like to learn more about gardening and landscaping? Oh, I just liked being able to be outside, like, instead of just being in the classroom, we could go outside and work in the orchard and stuff. Uh-huh. And how about you, Olin? How did you get started? Well, uh, I just enjoyed being outside more than in the classroom, and 
Yeah, and and Blaze, how about you? You're you're Olin's brother. Um, you know, what what's a typical uh, horticulture class lo look like for you? What what, what would be a, a typical day? Um, well, it depends on what season it is. In the fall, we usually go outside to harvest the different crops that are growing either in the uh, orchard or down in the greenhouses. And then in the spring, we've been planting a lot of things in the classroom and getting ready to transplant them out into the orchard. So, Max, what's going on right now? What, 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 what did you do the last time you were in class? Um, well, we all have our own quarterly projects, and mine was to build a waterfall for Jason's Pond. <coughs> so we were digging holes and just making, getting everything ready to plant. So is that something that um, a waterfall isn't something that I would have in my garden? What's, how does it all fit together, Max? Um, I don't know. He just said pick a project, and I was looking through a book, and uh -huh. I saw a waterfall, so I wanted to make one. Great. So this will be something that when people come through, they'll hear and see water yeah. falling. Yeah. That's really good. That's good. About you, Gerard, how did you get started? Um, I actually uh, got interested in horticulture last year with a previous horticulture group. I went down in study hall and helped them out, dig and stuff, and that's how I got interested. Uh -huh. So this is the planting kind of thing. What did you do in the wintertime? Did you do much um, kind of studying of, of things? We, uh, we made, like, games to help us study different plant types, what different pruning and stuff. Mm -hmm. And pruning is something that you do in the wintertime? Um, well, pretty much, like, fall, winter. Okay, yeah, yeah. So as you think about um, your own futures, how does this fit to you, what you want to do in, in the rest of your life? Have you got, is, is there a connection between you know, what you're studying in school and, and what you might like to do? Start with you, Gerard, and then we'll um, work our way around. No, not really. Okay. I'm just doing this to have fun and okay. learn some stuff. Great. Max, how about you? Is there any connection? I kind of like architecture, so mm -hmm. I was thinking about building. Mm -hmm. How about you, Blaze? Well, I mean, if I ever grow up and I need to... <laughs> if you ever grow up. Well, <laughs> if, when I grow up and I need to be able to grow food for myself, this will be... They'll be able to do it from this class. Great, great. How about you, Jason? Same with Max. I'm really interested in architecture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Olin? No connection yet? Not really. Okay, well, think about it, because I think, you know, you may be picking up things that, that you don't really realize may have a connection to the future. We also have in the studio Sandy Oliver. Uh, Sandy is a food historian and a, and a writer. Um, how have you kind of followed this uh, project over the years, Sandy, um, as you've looked at it? My husband was one of the uh, people involved when the program first got going. Jamie McMillan worked with Steve Miller and some of the others. Mm -hmm. But we're avid gardeners. Um, I may be a food historian, but, you know, food is uh, alive and, and, you know, growing in my yard and on the island every day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So as a food historian, um, what would you want listeners to kind of know about our food history? You used the, the term um, eating local, um, as we were talking before the show. Um, I guess we all ate local at one point. There was very little choice. That's right, <laughs> you know. John Adams was a locavore, you know, uh -huh. and so was George Washington. <laughs> you know, they were all local leaders. Um, I think the main main thing for people to take away is that, uh, in as far as food is concerned, the past hasn't passed at all. Mm. You know, it's still mm. very much with us. We're we're still doing the same things that people did uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago to produce mm. our own food. And and do you sense any of you that, that gardening is is um, more interesting to people? Now, as energy prices go up, as they think about those kinds of things? Sandy? You bet. I heard on the radio just uh, a couple of days ago that uh, seed growers uh, across the country noticed right away a huge uptick in uh, seed sales because of the recession. It's mm. almost a consumer 
uh, confidence indicator, you mm -hmm. know, how many vegetable seeds people want to buy and how many gardens are going to be this year because mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll remind listeners if they've got comments as we talk about um, how schools connect to their local communities, first on Owlsboro and later on as we talk with Kim Hutchinson and students of the LOFT program on Deer Isle, um, we'll, we'll take your phone calls, 1-866-625-9378 or locally at 469-0500 if you've got a comment or a question for our guests in the studio. And here, um, now, the first half of the show, we're talking with John Pincense and, and uh, Sandy Oliver and, and uh, uh, five students from the horticulture program there. Um, John, when did, when did apples and orchards get part of the program? You started out, you had greenhouses. Right. Uh, it started out a few years ago when I, every year I take my students on a field trip to the Common Ground Fair, mm. and uh, Jack Curtis uh, and other folks there at the uh, at Unity at Mimofka had started a small orchard on the east side of the fairgrounds there, and I saw what he was doing. I thought, boy, you know, that's something we could do here on Islesboro. Mm. So uh, I got some uh, people together who were willing to. We had to clear clear a site. It was about an acre of woodland, mixed woods. And we got volunteers, including Steve Miller and uh, actually Jason's dad, uh, helped to uh, with some heavy machinery stump the site and level it off. And and we started planting cover crops and uh, things to try to enrich the soil. And um, John Bunker came over uh, this uh, probably five or six years ago now to show us. Actually, it was in the fall. We did a, a tour of the island, and he found we found some uh, old varieties of, of apples that he thought we ought to try to preserve. Also, some varieties that um, he couldn't identify that we thought all thought were worth preserving as well. So in the winter, my students and I uh, went around collecting cyan wood from all of those trees. And then in the spring, John came back, and we grafted some onto rootstock and put them into a small nursery back of the school that was well-protected from deer. And then once we had the deer fence up around our orchard, Islesboro has a big deer problem, so we have to do what we can to protect them. So this is an eight-foot fence around the uh, the property. Or protect the deer or the apple orchards? Protect the, uh, protect the apple orchard, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Some people call it a concentration camp for apple trees because it looks like a, uh -huh. a prison yard. But right. uh, So anyway, that's that's what we did. We transplanted those uh, small saplings into the orchard, and uh, now we, we've lost some to insects and other things. Mm -hmm. But uh, we now have... Uh, a variety of apple trees, about 16 apple trees, three pear trees, two peach, and two plum trees. That's great. Yeah. So um, what would be different between um, now and, and when was Islesboro settled? Um, that was the 1700s? Mid-1700s. Mid-1700s. Mid I suppose the equipment that you used to clear the site, that would have been a difference, but you, they still would have had to clear forest to create an orchard. Right, immense amount of work to do that. I mean, uh, it's, it's hard to believe that people had the strength and the ability and the, the uh, whatever it took to, to be able to do that, that kind of work. I mm -hmm. mean, it took a lot out of people to mm -hmm. do that. So did you students get involved in that aspect of it? Uh, you were probably too young to, to get involved in that. So you've kind of come along since that, that piece of work was done. So in terms of the orchard itself, um, do you, what are some of the things that you have to do every year in the, in the orchard? What, what have you done so far? Uh, Blaze, what have you done in the orchard itself? Well, we've uh, pruned the different fruit trees that we have growing down there. And we've also just done a lot of work, like preparing beds and the, for the vegetables, and we've planted a lot. And mm -hmm. most of, a lot of food that we actually eat in the school 
uh, a lot of the vegetables come from there. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, so it, it seems like you've got um, the way life used to be. Um, probably communities always had to rely on local gardens and, and local orchards to produce their, their food. Um, how about the rest of you? What kinds of things have you done in the orchard? And we'll start with Olin. What, what kinds of things have you done? Well, uh, last fall, we, uh, uh, me and this other kid, David, we planted a plum tree. Mm. And just a few classes ago, I, we, uh, I used the tiller to till a big bed for, I don't know, what we're planting there. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Vegetables, carrots probably. Not yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. carrots. Found a whole pile of tomatoes that were still there from last fall. Potatoes. Uh-huh. Potatoes, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Oh, that's great. Yeah. How, how about the plum tree? Have you got any blossoms on the plum tree yet? Yeah, yeah. there are a couple. Yeah, that's great. So you'll kind of think of that as your plum tree. Do you have your name on it? No. No? <laughs> Actually, it's an idea we've had to, to have people adopt uh, trees uh-huh. so that they're responsible for them uh-huh. throughout their uh, high school careers. Right, yeah. Yeah. right. What have you learned about what are some of the threats to a, a, a young plum tree? Do you know what, um, besides the deer, what would you have to be, or any landowner that was pl- planting trees, what would they have to be concerned about? Insects? Yeah, definitely uh, insects. Don't really know the specific kinds, but... Something that eats it that uh, really likes plums. Uh-huh. So, you know, as you think about your garden there, what steps do you take? You've, you've indicated how you, you take care of deer. You put a fence up and you keep them out. What are the other things that you do to protect the trees? What have you learned about protecting the trees? Do you have to spray? Do you have to um, add um, nutrients to the soil? What do you have to do to, to help the trees? Anybody? Max, any idea? Uh-huh. Well, I didn't do this, but Gerard did. He painted this stuff on the stock of the tree up to the first branch so insects couldn't get inside of it. Uh-huh. Max, is, I mean, uh, Gerard, has that worked, do you think? Um, I think it definitely helps. Uh-huh. Um, you just got to make sure that you paint the whole, no, you can't show any bark or it's those bugs and insects will just nest right in there. Ah, okay. And it will cause the apple trees to lose nutrients and die. And uh-huh. stuff. Do you remember the name of the bug? The insect, yeah, the apple tree borer is kind of the the big problem here. Right. It's uh, apples and other fruit trees, but the apple tree borer is a big one. So this is a John Bunker recipe for preventing uh, that particular insect from getting into the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mixture of uh, joint compound and late, uh, interior latex paint <laughs> made into right? kind of a paste. Wow. And, uh, we paint it from just below the base of the tree right up to the first branches. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what other threats, um, John or anybody, what other threats do you have to kind of think about? Um, right. Uh, well, we, in the past we've had a, a serious infestation of leaf rollers, and they pretty much uh, defoliated. Uh, mm. this, this was during the summer when I, I only go out once uh, during the week and sometimes not that often. So they infested the orchard before I really could do anything about it. Uh, so that impacted the trees pretty heavily. But anyway, leaf rollers, um, the apple tree borer, so far the two that we've, we've had some issues with. Mm-hmm. This year I went around early and, and spotted some uh, insects in the leaves, and the trees are still pretty small, so pretty mm-hmm. easy to take care of that mm-hmm. problem. So we think about these things as, as uh, um, modern kinds of things, but um, uh, Sandy, what do you know about um, how people took care of their apple orchards and things in the past? They must have had similar kinds of, of concerns. I think people spend a lot of time hand-picking and rooting things out. You know, so they, they, they were out there every day probably looking at things. Paying a lot of attention. They, yeah, prob- they probably shot the deer, too. I think probably they did, and 
you know, with any kind of luck, we will too. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> a, because you, yeah. hunting is allowed. You can do a uh, bow and arrow. Bow and arrow hunting. Bow and arrow, and, and and I guess with permits too. Jason would know more about this because he's a hunter. He can get more than one deer. Uh huh. Uh huh. Have you been a, a hunter all your all your young life? Yeah, my dad took me ever since I was young. He would have to shimmy up the tree with me. But now, since I'm ten, I can hunt. I can actually hunt. Uh huh. But when I turn sixteen. I can hunt by myself. Great, great. You're and so older than 10, though, right, Jason? You're, you're, you're older, older than, than 10. Yeah. 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 How old are you? 15. 15. You said 10. That's, oh. why, that's why these guys are laughing. So we'll, we'll take a call now, um, and I'll invite other listeners to call in if they've got questions or comments. Um, give us a call at one 866 625 But go ahead and tell us where you're calling from, and, and go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, I'm I'm calling from Blue Hill. I'm an arborist in Blue Hill, and I prune a lot of apple trees. And um, I'm wondering. Um, he just mentioned some paste that he puts on the puts on the tree. Um, and um, what I've been told always is that that is a uh, is a really bad thing to do to the tree. Now, I uh, I have seen that paste on the tree. I'm kind of curious about it, but. Everything I've been told about that is that it, um, it, uh, or anything, any kind of paints or anything, basically will um, will um, keep the tree from callousing over. I, um, I, uh, there is bacterial sprays out there. I know you're doing this for for a different reason than I'm um, asking about, but can you uh, shed some light on that? Great. Thanks for your question. Yeah, John. Well, uh, John Bunker is sort of my guru when it comes to uh, apple trees, and it's a it's a recipe that he's developed. He used to advise putting a screen, you know, uh, house screening around the trees, digging a, a little bit uh, of a trench or, or a shallow pole around the base of the tree, burying the screen there, and then bringing it right up to the top and and uh, tying it around just below the lowest branches. Um, but he's since gone to this recipe, and uh, I'm, I kind of trust his his opinion on that. So, as and far John as is with Mafka, right? John yep. Bunker's with Mafka. Yeah, right. he's, he's the Pedco tree person there right. too. Also, so so I guess we're always learning. And yeah, we're always well, experimenting. It, it to may see well what be a, an experiment, and uh, you know, I know there is some air gas exchange that that the trunk of the tree needs to needs to have, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, again, I, I, it's somewhat experimental, and we'll see what happens. Right. Uh, the, the, I know that we lost three trees because of um, apple tree borers, so I'm willing to, to take a, a risk to, right. uh, not to lose any of the others. So we'll see what happens. Right. Sure. You'd, you'd, uh, you'd be closing up the lenticels. Right. 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 Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, you're not putting it over a wound. You're just putting no, no. it right over the trunk, right? That's right. That's right. Great. Well, thanks for your call this morning. You can call us as well, 1-866-625-9378. We're talking about how schools make connections to their communities. In the studio with us now are John Pincents and Sandy Oliver of uh, Islesboro, the central school out there. Um, Sandy's a food historian and, and a writer. We also have Olin Jenner, Jason Hatch, Blaze Jenner, Max Mahan, and uh, Gerard Scher with us um, as guests on Talk of the Towns. Um, let's turn to uh, Sandy now. Sandy, you've got these, these apples that uh, have wintered over, um, stored in on Islesboro. Um, what, do, what can you tell us about those apples? <laughs> well, about the only thing I can think of to say about them is that they're just part of 
some trees' generosity. I, in the fall, you know, the trees just throw all this food mm, on the ground, mm. and uh, if we don't pick it up, the, the deer, deer do. will <laughs> certainly pick it up. Uh, the, I wish I can rem- I could remember where I found these particular apples, um, but I don't. And uh, I have stored these in my cellar all winter long. Um, and as you can see, they're in pretty darn good shape. There's not too many left that are, but, you know, it, it is late May, and uh-huh. here they are. Applesauce with the others, right? Applesauce. Right. So you're yeah. going to share those with us? Yes. Oh, well, I think we ought to have a little something to eat, yeah, don't I you? Think so. Here Absolutely. on Talk of the Town. Yeah. So, John, what can you tell us about those apples, or, or the, the not necessarily the individual apples, but right. about old apple trees on Islesboro? Well, there are lots of them. Uh, orchards go back... Uh, many generations. I think the first, uh, one of the places that we looked at with John Bunker was thought to be the oldest place on Islesboro back to the mid-1700s, I think. Mm-hmm. And there was a was a, a big old tree there that was on its last legs um, that, a, that had been grafted. We could see where the graft mark was. And it was a, uh, a Ben Davis, at least John believes it was a Ben Davis apple, which is an old, old-time variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the idea is to try to locate uh, as many of these old varieties as we can on Osborough and then using uh, GPS uh, and GIS systems to uh, create a database that will have information about the trees, the kind of condition they're in, their age, the property owners, uh, soils, anything that we can come up with that might help us sort of uh, learn more about the trees and uh, also because of uh, development pressures on Islesboro, it's, it'll be important to know where these trees are so that if some development is coming along, we'll know that, well, maybe we can make some effort to mm. either have that tree uh, preserved by collecting cyan wood and grafting it onto our trees or have the landowners protect the trees. Mm. So who have you, who's used the GPS and GIS systems you know, in the class? Look, people are pointing at you, Jason. No? <laughs> Yeah, he has, yeah, and so is Blair. Okay, so um, Jason, start with you. What, what are you? How are you using GPS to to locate these apple trees? Um, we're using the GPSs to find like where different varieties of apple trees are located on mm-hmm. the area of the mm-hmm. land. And then GIS stands for Geographic Information System, um, and that's a mapping system. And so you can locate the exact location, and then tell something about each apple tree. Yeah. Right, so you've almost got a map of, of the island and where the, the, the important apple trees exactly, are. Exactly, yeah. The idea is to create a, a map that will, will have just as many trees as we can possibly find, apple, and other fruit trees as well. Right. So I suppose in the old days, people had that in their memory. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're saying we can't trust our memories because things go, go missing. And so we're going to use this technology to do that. So you may, as, as horticultural students, you're using different tools than just a spade and, and you know, uh, pruning shears um, to, to get at that. Right. So we're about to sample these, um, these apples. I'm, I'm going to pass them around. I'm going to take one myself first, and I'll pass them around to the guys. And I want each of them to tell me what they're tasting. You know, what is it like um, to taste these, these apples? And they're, they're, they're very attractive. They've got a, a few kind of blemishes on them, but they don't affect the, the, uh, the apple itself. Mm, very sweet. What can you tell me about these apples? Are they like apples that you find in the store? Uh-uh. Max, what's the difference between this apple and what you might find in a store? I don't know. It just tastes different, and the texture is different. Mm-hmm. Gerard? I think they're, like, a little softer because they've been stored so right. long right. compared to when you get them in a store. Yeah. What about the flavor? Anybody got anything? What, what, how would you describe this flavor? A little apples. sweet, a little tart? 
Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah sweet. More sweet. But it's a good question because I think so many of us take food for granted and don't often take the time to really taste it. Right. And uh, the subtle differences between apples and sometimes major differences that mm. you know, if we don't think about what we're eating. Well, we've certainly got a generation of people who have never seen a real apple. <laughs> mm -hmm. They've seen something that's in the store that's per picture perfect right. and doesn't have much taste. I mean, some of the you know some of the local apples that we get, the Max and and the Cortlands and so on, they have they still have retained some of that. But I don't think anybody um, gets these kinds of flavors. So that's great. Thanks for bringing them along, Sandy. What else would you say about um, kind of taking care of of um, our traditions, our food traditions? Um. For me, the past is full of really good ideas. Mm -hmm. um, if we don't know, you know, what people did in the past time, then uh, you know it w it enriches our our modern life to know something about what mm -hmm. people did in the past. Um, taking care of trees, making cider. Um, there's just so much that we can um, get from the past. I think. So, do you have a um, direct connection to the students? Do you go do into the classroom or more, uh, or do you re relate to the school in other ways? I relate to the school in the other way, okay. in other ways. Yep. Yeah. Once in a while, I'm invited down. Mm -hmm. yep. So you guys said that, that um, you, you actually use the, the food in, in your um, school kitchen. Um, do you get credit, kind of? You know, do people say, thanks for the food? When, when you're, when, no, they don't. So I wonder why. That's something we, we got to work on. Yeah. yeah. yeah totally. We've got another call. Let's go ahead and take that phone call. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, um, I'm uh, actually at the Islesboro Ferry Dock uh, uh, in Northeast Harbor. I'm on my way out to Islesford this morning. <laughs> it just so happens. But I had a comment about the um, painting the trees and the borers. Yes. I, uh, I'm an orchardist in, in Blue Hill, and, and I found that, um, that not painting the trees is, uh, is uh, fatal for the trees a, a great deal of the time. Right, so we well, really, really, really need those that protection from certain kinds of insects and borers. Yeah, I've never, ha I've never um, lost a tree uh, by painting the trunk. I, I paint all my uh, apple trees now, and and they seem to do fine with the paint. But if I don't paint them, the borers get them and they die. And they, the borers are a huge problem for apple trees. Well, thanks for calling. And and just to to, to uh, correct the impression, you're going to. Isles Ford, and these right. guys are from Isles Borough. Oh, okay. okay. Well, our geography lesson here. But we're yeah, in the same you. ocean. We're in the same ocean, and you're going to an island. Thanks, th <laughs> thank thanks so you. much for your call this morning. All right, bye bye. Well, I do want to mention, if I could, about the Crest uh, program that we're also involved with at school. It's the Community Resources in Education, Science, and Technology. Mm -hmm. And it's a program that was started uh, by uh, the Island Institute. And what they're trying to do is get uh, more technology uh, and the use of technology in rural areas, particularly on the islands and along the coast. And what we're doing, besides using the GPS and the GIS systems, creating a database, is also uh, doing some uh, ethnography uh, kinds of things. In other words, we're interviewing using uh, cameras and uh, taking still photos and uh, creating a uh, DVDs of, of interviews that we right. do with people who know something about the history of agriculture, of apples on the Isle, stories that they can tell us about, you know, whatever they remember, whatever they know of stories that have been told to them about uh, how it was growing up on Islesboro. So you've got and this whole library then of 
past information. Well, we're starting to develop that, right. Great. Right. With some of the students here have done interviews with uh, a, a gardener uh -huh. on, on Islesboro. Great. And we're hoping to do more. And actually, we did an interview also with uh, Sandy here. Great. So. Well, uh, we've only got a, a minute left, so I'll give each of you a chance to um, talk about what would you hope other people who might be listening, what would you hope that they take away from um, this program, maybe for their own schools or their own kids, their own gardens? And what, what is it that you, you are finding really interesting about this work um, that you want other people to know about? We'll start, um, Olin. Um, what is it that you think other people should know? How about, come back to me. Well, I'll come back to you. Jason, what, what do you think that people should take away from, from your experience? What, sh what should they copy or model? Um, just growing your own food. It's pretty cool. Great, great. How about you, uh, Blaze? Uh, just to be in school and to be able to get outside and like, learn what we're learning uh -huh. is really great. Not too many people have that, that opportunity. No. Great. How about you, Max? I think it would be good for other schools to have, like, the hands-on experience that we do. Yeah. It's fun to go outside instead of just stay in the classroom. Right, right. And how about you, Gerard? Um, pretty much the same thing everybody's been said. It's just good to get out and do some hands-on right. stuff. Right, right. Any, any uh, response, Olin? It's just nice to get out of the classroom and be able to grow your own food and eat it. Great. And Olin loves to climb trees. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So pruning trees is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. To climb them. Great. Well, I want to thank all of you for taking some time and, and getting over here to the mainland and, and uh, being with us on Talk of the Towns. I hope that um, folks, um, they can get in touch with you through the um, Central School. Yes, they can. There's a website. Uh, there is a website, although probably for now it would be better just to call. Okay. Uh, but we are developing a website, which we'd like to link all the information that we're getting about the orchards Great. to our website. Great. So. Well, thanks. We're going to take a musical break. Um, those of you who are listening will come right back um, with students from the Loft program on Deer Isle, uh, Stonington uh, High School. So thanks to, again to those who have been with us this morning.
here on WERU. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, we're talking with two different school groups about how those schools are making connections into their communities. We just heard from John Pincense and, and others from the Central School on Islesboro, and now we're happy to welcome um, students from Deer Isle Stonington High School. They're part of something called the LOFT program. And uh, in the studio with us also is Kim Hutchinson, who is an advisor to the LOFT program. Welcome to Talk of the Towns. Thank you. Right there to the microphone, Kim. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, Kim, tell us just a little bit before we talk with the students about um, where the LOFT program started, how you got involved. You're, a, um, I suppose, a, um, a graduate of the high school there, although, you know, that was a few years ago. It was a few years ago. Um, LOFT started, well, the beginnings of it were in the spring, about a year ago, the Healthy Peninsula Project in Blue Hill conducted focus groups in Deer Isle and Stonington about health care needs and one of the primary needs that came up was substance abuse for adolescents and adults and then they hired me to be the coordinator of the effort and we decided to start working in the schools mm. and these kids volunteered and in September, and we've been meeting ever since. Mm. I'll ask um, the students about the focus, but the focus groups, were, um, were those some of these students or other students or uh, adults? Right, it was a combination of adults and students, but none of these students. Okay, okay. And what did you, what did you learn in those focus groups that prompted you to say, oh, we need to continue this kind of work? Well, essentially, we just learned that it's such a widespread problem in the community, our community and many others, and that to be the most effective, we felt like we needed to involve the kids, mm. Mm. you know, right from the beginning. And um, we knew they'd have energy and passion around it, and they have. Great, great. Well, I'm going to start over here with Tiffany, um, so you can pass your headphones Thank you, um, Ron. back. Um, Tiffany, how, how did you get started um, in, in this program? Um, well, I guess you could say it was, well, yeah, it's a big problem around our town, and I'm... I didn't like seeing that kids were coming to school, you know, all messed up and stuff. So I thought, you know, why not be a part of this and try to get kids to stop this kind of thing because it's a real big problem at our at And our when school. you say messed up, you, you mean that they either were intoxicated or they're under the influence of drugs. Yeah, and it, there's a, a lot of the population of our school is that way, and I just think that the more we try to help out as kids, the more we can influence kids our age to stop. And, and there are a lot of parents who just who give their kids this kind of stuff and just letting the parents know what their kids are doing. And, you know, you know this is wrong. Just telling them that it's wrong is it, it, it might not get the message around, but it, at least it's worth a try. Mm -hmm. So, um, Lexi, we'll bring you into the conversation. What kinds of things prompted you to get involved in LOFT? Well, sort of the same as Tiffany, like, there's always kids talking about drugs or talking about what they did last weekend and alcohol, and I don't do that stuff, and so there was no one for me to hang out with. Mm. So I thought maybe if we, like, um, stopped everyone using drugs and stuff so much, there'd be more stuff to do on the island that's more productive, I guess. Uh -huh. So you, you were kind of seeing it from a personal um, standpoint, but you also saw how other people were affected as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dylan, um, you were part of, um, I think several of you were part of a community forum not too long ago um, where you were able to talk about um, the work of LOFT. How did you get, get involved in, in the, um, the LOFT project? Well, um, Kim came to us in early September and she said that she's starting a group for kids in the high school to help other kids with mm -hmm. drug and alcohol abuse and um, I've seen the kids who do it and most of them would like to stop mm. but 
it's something, you know, built into their regular schedule, and it's just hard for them to stop. So mm-hmm. I joined it so we can help kids, you know, have an alternative solution or great. activity to do on weekends. Great. I'll just remind listeners that they can participate as well um, during this conversation. We're talking about how kids and schools get involved in their communities. You can call us at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 Let's go to um, Sarah. Um, Sarah, how did you get involved? What, what's your interest in this? Well, um, Kim approached us, like Dylan said, in September of last mm. year. And I thought it was a really good idea because this is a problem in our community, and I know it is in a, in a lot of communities. Yes. And we just want to want something to do on the island, and there's so many people that need help, and we're just trying to make it okay that it's okay. You can ask for help, or you don't have to deal with it. It's just us trying to help our community, and we want to educate our community as well. Mm-hmm. So what are the ways that you're helping to educate the community about some of the concerns that you have? Uh, well, in April, we went to this convention in Augusta, and it was about mostly about smoking and peer pressure and all that. And we're, ourselves, we want to learn ourselves before we mm. teach others. Right. And so we're so new that we're just trying to learn. And, um, yeah. Yeah. How about you, um, uh, Caitlin? How did you get involved, and what what do you think is is uh, important about this topic? Well, everyone that we hang out with or something at least smokes or drinks, and they don't understand what the people that don't smoke and drink are going through. So mm. we don't know how to act around them, or mm-hmm. if you're trying to be silly or something like that. I don't. So you've made a choice, and it's really sometimes hard to be around other kids who haven't made the same choice you have, and it's hard to know how to act, mm-hmm. right? Because there's an expectation, perhaps, that you would drink and smoke as well. Exactly. Right. Jordan, how about you? How did you get started and involved in this? Well, I want to, like, help the people that have been taking the drugs and stuff. I want to help them so that they wouldn't. Uh-huh. And I just want to help them so they get better. Great. Well, what is it that we're talking about? We're talking about alcohol, and, and, and that's a pretty common kind of thing. What are the drugs that are, are being used um, in, your, in your community? Dylan? Marijuana mm-hmm. is a big problem. Yes. Okay. Um, and I don't think there's as much heavy drug use, but it's still, you know, one of them that's out here. A lot of people smoke mm-hmm. cigarettes and uh-huh. uh, marijuana. So. Yeah. And and do you have a sense of, of why um, they are making that choice where you've made a different choice? Um, how about you, um, Tiffany? Why, why, why do you suppose that some kids take a choice to, to use um, alcohol or smoke cigarettes or smoke marijuana? Well, because they think it's, it's cool and, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to be popular. And this guy's going to like me because he's popular and I might be able to go out with him. And it just – it – it's all about, you know, I'm going to be cool, and maybe sometimes it's based on stress, family uh-huh. problems, and school problems, and they just want something to turn to to, you know, loosen up. And I think that if we give them an alternative stress problem or kind of like, help them deal with their problem or even just tell them, you know, it's not cool because eventually it's going to hurt you and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think that, I mean, we might not be able to get it the picture out to everyone, but at least getting it to one person can uh-huh. make a difference. So um, what you're saying is that sometimes the choice has to do with what you somebody call peer pressure, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. idea that everyone's, everyone's doing it, so I better do it too, so yeah. I'll fit in. Yeah. But the other is that um, people are using it because it works. 
Yeah. Cigarettes have an effect yeah. on you, and, and some people are seeking that effect. Yeah. And so what do you learn about um, the addictive qualities or the, or the qualities that, that um, drugs and alcohol bring? Do you learn about the, the, the kind of change to the human body when, when that happens? Yeah. It's, yeah, we've, we've learned a lot. Even going to the Augusta Conference, we learned a lot of things uh, about the addictions. And we got to see um, a pig lung. Uh-huh. And we got to see one that was without using tobacco and one that was with using tobacco. And we got to see how just one tiny part of the lung was being used after smoking so many cigarettes. And the other part was not even in like inflating when you inhale and it was really black and disgusting and we get to touch it but we had to use gloves because it got that uh (laughs) it sounds pretty gross it It sounds pretty gross and it was so not nobody starts out saying well i want my lungs to look like that (laughs) right well not if you uh not if you've seen the lungs if you've seen the lungs yeah you'll you'll say you know oh my god that's gross i don't want that to happen but if you haven't seen that you don't worry about it you're like you know oh my god it's no big deal one's not gonna hurt and then it leads to another. So um, knowledge is the first thing yeah. that you're, you're, you're gaining your own knowledge yes. so that you can um, make your own choices and then um, add that to, to the kind of the mix of what other people know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a phone call. Go ahead. You're on uh, Talk of the Towns. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, my name's Dan. And I have a question for the group there. Um, how, what impact do they feel advertising of mm. alcohol uh, plays, uh, you know, on their age group. Because personally, not only is there an abundance of alcohol advertising, now they're advertising hard liquor as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is a change in, in my lifetime. So, I'd like to see the kids focus their energy on starting a national campaign to, dis- to have the major sporting league disassociate themselves from alcohol advertising. Mm, Alcohol advertising on TV should go the way of cigarette advertising. Uh-huh. Far more damage, arguably, by alcohol than tobacco, and that's the history. That's Great. History. Well, thanks for your call. We'll get some reactions from our students in the studio. You can call as well. Uh, give us a call at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight if you've got questions for our students from Deer Isle Stonington High School, and they're part of Looking Out for Teens, the Loft program. What do you think? Is is advertising part of of what influences kids of your age or younger? Because people probably see advertising mm-hmm. from a very early age. Yeah, I definitely agree with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone's going to see an ad for you know Sky Vodka and there's this, you know, attractive people on there holding their product. They think, oh, well, if I'm going to drink that vodka, then attractive people are going to be coming <laughs> yes. around towards me or I'm going to be that. And, and I think another big deal is um, availability of the substances on the island. Everything is available. You know, people... So if, 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 if um, um, your friends were going to have a party, where would they get alcohol? Their parents sometimes. I mean, it sounds weird, but a lot of the stuff that's happening, their parents did it when they were younger, so they feel like they can't say anything about it. Mm. And so they sometimes, you know, they'll get them cigarettes or they'll go get them alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so that's the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's, let's say a, a group of your friends have, have um, invited you to a party and you get there and you see alcohol is being served. Well, how, do you, how do you kind of react to that? Um, as members of laughter, as individuals, what what do you do in that kind of situation, or do you avoid those situations altogether? 
I myself just try to avoid those situations. It's yeah. just my decision. I don't want to do it. And so uh-huh. that's that's me. So you wouldn't even put yourself into into that situation. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for parents who are listening about um, kids and parties? Um, how how would parents um, take an active role in helping kids make the choice that you have? Any any ideas how, how to stay involved in your child's life? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of trust them a little, but also be aware that you know they could you know do things behind your back mm-hmm. and kind of you know tell them the effects, even though it might not work. Kind of explain it to them, maybe not even in a nice way. Kind of explain it in a bad way, so that maybe it will come into the picture, and you know they'll say, "Oh my God, wow!" And you know it might not work, but I think that just trying to keep your kids safe and away from that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, my God, there's going to be a big party this Friday, you know. Parents are going to be like, huh, a big party, huh? You know, maybe it's not a birthday party, but, you know, just a (laughs) get-together. So they'll think, you know. So what do you say to the parent um, who uh, perhaps um, drank and smoked um, when they were kids and they say, well, I – I made it all right. Why do I have to worry about my kids? What do you say to that parent who um, uses that as an excuse to either provide or at least look the other way um, when their own kids are, 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 are drinking or smoking? What do you say to a parent who's made that choice, Dylan? Don't be stupid. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah. what's different about today and perhaps when those, those folks were growing up? Is there anything different? Or is it the same? What, what's there's, different? There's more dangerous things in the cigarettes and drugs and alcohol now. So, you know, let's say, you know, my mom's 44. And let's say when she was a kid, she used to drink. She used to drink. And and she says, well, you know, beer was, you know, it was okay. I didn't die, you know, so why can't my kid do it? Nowadays, there are so many things in these things that it could kill you faster than it could back then. Mm. And, you know, just, you know, saying, yes, I made a mistake. It was it was my mistake. I want to keep my kids safe is the thing that you should be saying. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of admit it. Be the bigger person. Say mm. you did it and kind of take take the blame for it. Okay. There's so just, be honest. Yeah, there's so much pressure. Yep. Um, Lexi? Okay, another thing is is that not everyone makes it okay. So even if they made it all right, your kids might not be mm-hmm. all right with the same things that you did. Mm-hmm. So you should try to change. Mm-hmm. So have have folks you've you've known um, been injured or have died in auto accidents um, due to drinking? Has the island has suffered that yeah. kind of situation? Yeah, yeah. So we don't have to look very far um, no. to find those those kinds of effects. Well, let's turn now and, and talk about some of the things that you would say. We do have a phone call. Oh, we have a phone call. Let's go ahead and take that phone call. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hello, this is Jessica. Yes, welcome. <laughs> Hi, I'm from Deer Island. I'm a parent myself, and I guess what I was wondering is, well, first and foremost, there's not a whole lot for teens to do down on the island, so right. a lot of them end up turning to parties and whatnot, and I'm wondering, does the loft group plan on maybe doing something this summer that would get the teens involved, maybe some kind of a dance or something like that? Great question. We'll see if, if our, our students have um, some response to that. Um, what, are you, what are you hoping to do so that kids have an alternative to um, going to parties where alcohol is, is prevalent? What are, what are you thinking about things, or, or can you suggest things that might be useful there? Anybody? Uh, well, we used to have this cafe, Hard Rock, what was it called? Hard Rock Big Cafe. Rock? No, Big Hard Rock. Rock. Big, Big Rock, Rock Cafe. Big, yep. And uh, it was down in Stonington, and people could hang out there. They could, I don't know, I never went. I wasn't old enough. Uh-huh. But um, we're trying to just, we're just, we're so new, but I don't know if we're meeting over the summer 
Um, yeah, we Dylan, thought about what, that once. Yeah, uh-huh. meeting over the what, summer. What's, what's well, even during the school year, what what kinds of things could you suggest so kids have an alternative? What 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 could you do yourselves, and what could the community do to provide um, that kind of outlet for for folks? Even uh, dances, like Jessica had mentioned, a dance would be even just a little bit helpful. Uh-huh. I mean, to have chaperones, yes, but not exactly have them on your back all the time. Just make sure nobody's sneaking in beer or something or any drugs. Mm-hmm. And just have something to do, I, I think, is the problem because everybody says, you know, uh, there's nothing to do. Party is my alternative. So how, how what, what message would you have if a kid says, there's nothing to do. Do you have any suggestions? Um, do you have any uh, suggestions about that? Um, Caitlin, do you have any suggestions? So what, what, what do you do on a weekend? If you're not going to a party, how do you spend your time? Well, I'm always with my friend Lexi. Uh-huh. I'd never, we just hang out, and okay. then we hang out with good people, though. Okay, yeah. How about you, Jordan? Do, what, what do you do um, so that you're not doing um, what other kids are doing? Well, I, like, hang out and... Usually spend time at my house, uh-huh. read or draw or okay. go swimming. Anybody else? How do you spend your time? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm a writer myself. I like to write, and I write my own stories and write songs. Actually, I'm a songwriter, and my friends tell me I'm a pretty good singer. So I spend my time doing the things that I'm good at instead of doing things that will harm me. Writing would not harm me, and singing would not harm me, hopefully. I hope not. But it's just doing the things that you like to do instead of doing things that everybody else wants you to do. Lexi? Um, some friends, most of the girls in our grade, well, yes, not most of them, but quite a few, do dance class, and that yep. keeps us busy on weekends, and we have a big recital coming up, so we don't even have time to do anything right. else. We're just practicing right. all the time. Yeah. Great, great. Well, sometimes people do sports and stuff, and when you do sports, you can't just go and drink and do that because you get kicked off mm-hmm. the team or something. Uh-huh. So that I stay in sports and do sports. Right. So there's policies that uh, um, kind of reinforce the notion that you wouldn't be drinking or smoking. We do have another call. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Yes, this is Jessica again. I just got knocked off the line. Okay. <laughs> okay. I do have another question, though. Okay. Um, I think this is going to be geared towards Tiffany. How did they get that pig to smoke? <laughs> I don't know, Jessica. I th- I, th- I think um, I think they just. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure how they did it, but um, I'm pretty sure it's it, it's a mystery to me. Uh, they didn't make oh, it. <laughs> they didn't make it. Smoke. They didn't make it smoke. They what they did, they they, um, injected, they injected uh, after the pig was dead, and they you know. So it's a simulation. Yes. Simulation. <laughs> simulation. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, they didn't make a pig Great. smoke. Well, thanks for your call. How about um, the the notion of of um, kids doing things for themselves? So as a group. Um, so you've suggested maybe a dance. Is that something that you could see organizing yourselves? What would it take to organize a dance on Deer Isle Stonington um, in in your area? Well, you'd have to have money. You'd have to have a little bit of money because. You need to get things going, flyers, you need to have food set up for the dance, you have to have decorations, and music, you know, the kids would want music, the mm-hmm. latest music, hip-hop, mm-hmm. rap, R&B, and... But it, you've, got, you've got money, you've got yeah. food, you've got time, mm-hmm. couldn't you do that yourselves? Do you yeah. need somebody else to do that? We need to, it's such, I don't know... We need to find a place. We need a place? A place. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we have to get approved through whomever, the principal, whoever is, you have to go see. Uh-huh. And sometimes they're not very supportive of that. I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah. Just, so you, they think that we have a prom, and then we we always just have a prom, and we don't have any other dances. And mm. we have a peer support group at our school as well, and they just had a dance just a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I hear it was really good, and I didn't go, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, again, it, it, it's not outside um, of possibility that you might um, do that or you might get other teens to work with you, and you probably would need some adults that would uh, kind of mm-hmm. work with you on that to find locations and maybe, as you said, uh, Tiffany, to provide that kind of um, chaperone kinds of, of activity so people would feel like you're safe. Now, when I came down to um, Deer Isle Stonington, we – we talked a little bit about the safe space that you're creating on a weekly basis by getting together in loft. Mm-hmm. What difference does that make? What, do you know what I'm talking about in terms of a safe space so that you guys get to talk? Enclosed, you mean? Kind of just us? We can just yeah, just us. Right. right. How important is that? Very important. I think it's... It's nobody else should be able to hear what we're talking about. And if, I mean, if they want to, if they want to get involved, that's one thing. Right. But if they're not involved and they're just here to, to, you know, get in the news and say, you know, oh, they're trying to do this to us, you know, let's fire back. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we made posters and put them on the wall. And I know of many kids who just ripped them off the wall because they think it's ridiculous. Mm. And it's not a ridiculous thing. It's, it's very real. It happens every day. So there are thousands of people who die every day from this. This kind of thing, and I think that if kids are going to rip stuff off the wall, it's it's very immature, and I think mm. that they need a, a little bit of help. Mm-hmm. Jordan, how about you? Do you do you find it's useful to have a place where you can come and talk with with the, the other students who are part of Loft? Yeah, because if you talk about stuff, it stays in that room and mm-hmm. stuff, so nothing gets out. So you can talk about what's most important to you, and you know nobody else is going to hear about that. Yeah. That's great. How about you, um, Caitlin? Is that that kind of safe space important to you? Mm -hmm. And it seems like we're the only ones that actually take the stuff seriously when it comes to not drinking and smoking. Mm -hmm. So you might get some support from that Mm -hmm. by by meeting together on a regular basis. How about you, um, uh, Sarah? Uh, it's definitely important, and I just like that we can meet up, and Kim brings in these papers and stuff, and she asks us how our day is going, and we talk about what's important to us, and it's not just drugs, alcohol, don't do this, don't do that. Right. It's We get to find out about each other's lives, mm-hmm. and yeah. And and Dylan, is that different than the relationship you might have your, with, with a parent or, or um, a relative of some sort? Definitely. I think that... Um well, with the what's so special about um, the loft group is we actually meet in the, uh, the loft of our library, and so it's secluded, it's quiet. You know, we're n- we're not going to judge anyone who, who mm-hmm. walks in through those doors. Uh-huh. We're just going to listen, and everybody has different um, stories to tell about their relationship with, you know, drugs and alcohol, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or maybe even themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's that that. Mm-hmm. place and you said no, no judgment um, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that like we're just going to hear each other's story we're not going to you know judge someone if they said oh well I used to you know do drink or, mm-hmm. so this is a, this is a, people know that it's open mm-hmm. that, that they new yeah. people could come to that mm-hmm. is that the case have, have new people come have they heard about it from you or others and, and come into it yeah yeah great. people have heard but um, well the school year is almost over so we're not going to be starting anything right. else till probably the fall. Right. Lexi, how, how, how important is that safe space to you? Um, I think it's pretty important. I definitely look forward to it every Monday at lunchtime to go up and hang out with everybody and mm-hmm. just talk about how our week's gone and what our next project is. Mm. And um, I really like it because it's just very open and mm-hmm. safe. 
So we've got um, just a minute or so left. I'll ask each of you, um, starting with Tiffany, to um, say what, what do you hope other students or other schools would, would take away from this conversation that we've had today? Tiffany, first. Um, well, if other schools kind of heard about this, they might get involved in this. Mm -hmm. It depends on how big of a situation it is in their school or around their community. Mm. I think that if other schools knew this, they would that we would be able to get together like at the Augusta uh -huh. Civic Center. Great. We went there and there were a whole bunch of other kids and it was so so cool to have other kids that that kind of felt the same way that we did want to get this kind of thing out of our community. Great. I'm going to go to, to Lexi now. Um, I think that you should just think about twice before you do anything and if you don't smoke or drink then talk to your friends that maybe do and just try to make them stop. Right. And, and help them recognize that not everyone does. So right. that they have an alternative, yes. um, Dylan. What, what what do you think that other students or other schools that might be listening today? What should they take away from our conversation? Uh, I think that they should be definitely aware that it's going on, mm -hmm. and that some kids, you know, who do want to stop, need that help, right. and that you know, guiding, mm -hmm. guiding mm -hmm. force. Mm -hmm. How about you, Sarah? I think that the people who are listening should just know that they should want to educate their communities about the dangers of this and it is a real problem and they should address it to their school and their community. Great. Caitlin? I think that people that are listening out there and drinking and smoking should realize that the people that aren't drinking and smoking and the people that love you and stuff, you should stop. Mm, mm, thanks. That's a really clear message. How about you, Jordan? I think the people that are listening should realize that Drinking and smoking is bad, and they should stop. And the people that don't are living good and stuff. Great, thanks so much. And Kim, what are your hopes um, as you take this um, program forward? Do you, will you um, reconstitute the loft group next next fall? Yes, we we will. We'll meet throughout June, and then in August, the middle of August, we're going to have a team building retreat where we'll do most of our planning for the next year. And we have a bunch of things planned already for next year that will keep us busy. And I think the thing we're really um, to answer your question a little bit about a takeaway, something we've dealt with as a group from the very beginning is how much can we reasonably do mm. and what, how much of an impact, if any, can we have. And we started out as a group, you know, really wanting to change the world overnight. And I think we've all realized that throughout the year that there's a um, limited amount of things we can do, but that doesn't mean that they're not worth doing. Mm. And I'm committed to it, and so are the kids and the support from the school and a huge amount of our community has been really impressive and uh, encouraging to us, so we'll keep going. Great. Well, thanks to all of you for being with us here on Talk of the Towns. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've thanks, come Sean. to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us on the second and fourth Friday at this time for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Cornock on a Balmain House Highland Music Record. Thanks to our guests from the LOFT program. LOFT um, stands for Looking Out for Teens from uh, Deer Isle Stonington High School. Um, thanks to, um, also to our guests from the horticulture program, John Pinsents and, and others from the Central School on Islesboro, both island schools involved in their communities. Uh, thanks to those of you who listened and called in. Thanks to our wonderful underwriters at Maine Community Foundation. Thanks for Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning.
the roof leaks, C 